This is the podcast for Woodland Presbyterian Church in Memphis, Tennessee. We are maturing God's people to serve a hurting world. We hope you enjoy the message, and if you'd like to learn more about our church, look us up at woodlandpres.org. Thanks so much. May the Lord bless you. So I live out in Cordova, and uh, so almost daily, pretty much, pretty much every day, I drive by Baptist East Hospital, and so uh, if you've ever been by there, you, usually you'll see the helicopter that's out there, the life flight helicopter, and I'm just always amazed at, um, at how a helicopter can just hover in the air, and um, it just, it's just astonishing. The other day, I was at the stoplight there uh, right by Christian Brothers and the helicopter was coming in and I was just thinking man that's that is incredible and I was thinking if that helicopter blade flew off you know that would be really bad that would be tragic and then I was thinking about the centrality of the thing that holds the helicopter blade on there the rotary rotary blade is uh, some people call it in slang they call it a Jesus nut and a, a nut is like a big bolt that holds something on, right? And they call it the Jesus nut because if that nut comes off, then, you know, the whole aircraft is going to come tumbling down. It's going to crash, right? And so, so you got to ask the question, well, why would they call it a Jesus nut? Well, it's because that rotary, that rotary blade, that propeller that spins is central to the function of the helicopter. If that comes off for some reason then you know it then it doesn't work and so you don't have you don't have the power in the right place and so it ends up being devastating um so the scriptures this morning is similar in that we're talking about the resurrection and the resurrection is central to our christian faith and so so we want to uh dig into that this morning um let's see uh, if Jesus was not resurrected from the, dead, from the dead, then we have no Christian faith. Apparently, there were some in Corinth and beyond who were questioning and even denying the resurrection of Jesus. So Paul, in this portion of, the, of 1 Corinthians, he takes some time to address the resurrection, and he does it in 58 verses, which we did not read all 58. But we are going to progress through the whole book. So if you want to keep through or the whole uh, chapter. So if you want to keep that open, that would be, that would be a good idea to track along. Um, so I mentioned the three main points that we're going to talk about. So point one, the resurrection is central to the Christian faith. The resurrection of Christ is the central point of Christianity, just like I mentioned with the Jesus nut. So important was the resurrection for Paul that he hinged both his preaching and his faith upon its validity. So everything he preached was all about Christ and the resurrection. He considered that Christianity, he considered that Christianity without the resurrection would be empty and meaningless. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, jumping to 1 Corinthians 15:14, he says, "And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain." And he continues in verse 17, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Furthermore, he draws the argument onto its logical conclusion in verse 19. If in this life only we have hoped in Christ, 
we are of all people most to be pitied. He, what he's saying there is that in, if in this life only, as if, if, if you were just focusing on the Jesus who was alive, but the, not the resurrected Christ, then you, you of all people are most to be pitied. So to summarize, if the resurrection didn't happen, then our faith is empty, and everyone who has ever trusted Jesus Christ for their salvation should be pitied. If the resurrection didn't happen, then our faith would be like a chainsaw with no gas. It would be like a helicopter with no, no rotary blades. It would be like a blow dryer with no electricity. Have you had your blow dryer go out before? Ladies, I'm sure, you know, that's a struggle, right? It, like, it's not, it doesn't work the way it's supposed to. If there is no power, then nothing is going to happen. So thankfully, the resurrection did happen, and there is power in that resurrection. There is power to save sinners like you and me, which is why we're here this morning. The Bible tells, tells us that we are dead in our sins, but because of the power of the resurrection, we are brought to life. Are you feeling weighed down this morning by your guilt and your shame? Bring it to Jesus Christ because he has the power to overcome these things. The Apostle Paul is a great example of the power of the resurrection. Paul was a persecutor of, of the Christians in the early church, and he came face to face with the power of the resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus. It, it was after that powerful encounter that Paul would have a complete change of mission. He would preach that forgiveness of sins and eternal life was possible through faith in Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Christ is the presupposition of all New Testament truths and experience. Rebirth to a living hope is based upon the resurrection. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Tim Keller, who recently passed, said this about the resurrection. If Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. So the central, the centrality of our faith is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is something that we all have to answer in our hearts. Are we going to have faith in a God who, who maybe you're a, like a creationist and you just say, well, God created the earth and then he vanished, you know, um, but in the Christian faith, we say, well, God created everything, and then he so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus to come and to repair that broken relationship with us. And he did that by dying on a cross and being raised again, and he is alive and well in heaven, living and reigning as our king. So that was point one. So moving on, point two. The, uh, we're moving to verse 20 to 22. The resurrection reverses the fall, kind of what I was just alluding to. As we think of this terminology, we want to think of, uh, when we think of creation, we think of Adam as the first man, and Adam and Eve, they, they sinned in the garden, and we call that the fall. 
And then the second man in this argument that we're about to read is considered Jesus. And some would refer to Jesus as the second Adam. So, um, so let me explain it from a, a, a 30,000 foot level theological level. If you think of the Bible in four words, creation, fall, redemption, consummation. So creation, God created the world, everything was great. The fall, Adam and Eve in the garden, they sin, and their sin ends up corrupting everyone and everything from then on. We refer to that as total depravity. So then comes Christ. So we have redemption. So God sends Christ to redeem the world. He comes, he uh, dies on the cross, he's resurrected, he's bringing about redemption. This is ongoing. The redemption is ongoing, and he's using us to bring about more redemption. Uh, if you think of the word shalom, of wholeness, God is bringing about redemption or shalom through his people, and that's ongoing until we get to consummation, the last, which is where ultimately the new heavens and the new earth will come together, and it will all be glorious. So creation, fall, redemption, consummation. So all that is going on. Paul is aware of all that. And he says this in verse 15, or verse 20, 22. He says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all, de- all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the scriptures are informing us that all believers are included with Christ in his resurrection and that Christ's resurrection includes the resurrection of believers to eternal life. The power of Christ's resurrection is so powerful that it includes the resurrection of all believers, therefore reversing the consequences of the fall. So as we think about just a, just a recap, so in Adam, all fall, that's total depravity. In Christ, if we're in Christ, then all, all sin is forgiven and we are restored in our relationship to God. So there's a reversal there. And it's through the one man Adam, all fall, and through the one man Christ, all saved. So we have this reversal going on. Romans 5 um, um, puts it akin to uh, in the argument for baptism. He says, for if we have been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in, the, in a resurrection like his. Basically promising that if you're in Christ, then you have a spiritual res- resurrection. That's part of the promise of being a Christian. The power of the resurrection is the same power that unites us to Christ in his death and resurrection. It is the same power that is working to reverse the fall and bring all of God's chosen people into his family. There is no other way to reverse the fall. There is no amount of good work that will outweigh our sin. The only way is to tap into the power of the resurrection through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul even addresses this reality in verse 34 when he rebukes them uh, for not sharing the gospel. So kind of um, so, so the argument's going, you know, uh, the resurrection, Jesus Christ is central to our faith. It's the most important thing. And, 
And then he, in verse 34, he gives them a, uh, what I call a, sn- a uh, snap out of it. So this is something that my son Timothy and I kind of developed over the years. We would be on long road trips and we'd start falling asleep and we'd, we'd say, I need a snap out of it. And we would like slap our faces like this. Like, I need a snap out of it. Well, this is Paul is giving the Corinthians in verse 34 a snap out of it. And he really rebukes them hard because, they're, because they, shouldn't, they should know the gospel, but they should be sharing the gospel. And they're not sharing the gospel. So at verse 34, it says, Wake up from your drunken stupor as is right, and do not go on sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. And so, so Paul is rebuking the Corinthians for not sharing the good news. And that, that's just such a reminder for us, right? We all need a snap out of it. So, you know, give yourself a snap out of it. Like we need, we need to be sharing the good news of the gospel. The resurrection is the key element that, um, that gives us the power for salvation. And so, um, so that should motivate us to go to all nations and share that good news. Now, I know, um, I know a lot of you uh, think of evangelism in two ways, okay? There's the, there's the door-to-door evangelist, right? You go up and say, you know, hey, uh, I'd like to share a word about Jesus with you. No relationship with that person. Um, sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. Then there's the marathon type evangelism, and, and I want to encourage you, probably most of people in Woodland here would engage more in the marathon type evangelism, where you, you develop relationships with people over long periods of time. Could be a neighbor, could be co-workers, um, but you invite them into your life, and you share commonality, and what happens is it, it's almost like concentric circles. If you are in Christ, and you are interacting with people and, and this other person, say, is not in Christ, the more you interact with that person, sorry, the more you interact with that person, the more Christ rubs off on that, on that person. Okay, so, so you've got these concentric circles of the gospel. And so I would encourage you to think evangelistically. Are, are there people in your life that need to know and understand who Christ is and the power of his resurrection? And that would be a good way to do that is just to get in relationship with people and to uh, live your life as a Christian in front of them. Our last point, the resurrection is a glorious mystery, a glorious mystery. um, So our last point is kind of a practical one. You know, we've been talking a lot about resurrection and the Corinthians, like us, uh, um, I'm involved in a discipleship group and uh, one of the first things that we ever talked about in this discipleship group was the resurrection because it's, I think it's a common question that all of us kind of want to know. Like, well, what does the resurrection really look like? I mean, last time I went to a funeral, the body was in the casket and they went into the grave. And so, you know, does, does that body come out? You know, it's kind of a, kind of a mystery, right? And so... Paul, in this last part, he addresses this glorious mystery, and he uses a seed analogy, the, uh, a wheat kernel. <clears throat> and if you're, if you're a gardener, then um, this really means a lot. Um, but he uses the seed analogy where he says, 
the seed must die, must go into the ground and die before it becomes uh, what it's supposed to be, before it becomes, it grows into a plant, a glorious plant. And so the language that he uses will look, is, think of a, think of a seed as we read this next part. So it's 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 42 through 44 is the part that I want to kind of hone in on here for this last point. It says, so, um, so is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown, like a seed, what is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, then also a spiritual body. So when we think of resurrection, we think of a, a seed going into the ground. So uh, my wife, Jennifer, has been really excited about gardening this spring. And so we made some flower beds and we planted a bunch of different kinds of plants and everything, and one of which was sugar snap peas. And so, so we, we had to get all the dirt ready, right? And when you're preparing the dirt, it's, it's, it's dirt, right? It's like manure and compost and it's kind of the, the nasty stuff, right? The nastier, the better when it comes to gardening, if you know what I mean. You like, you want all that good stuff in there. But you take that, the nasty stuff, and then you put the seed in there. And the seed technically like dies in there right but it germinates and then something glorious comes and so we did all that with the sugar snap peas and then the other day Jennifer came inside and she's like come out here I got to show you something come out here so I went out and we looked at the garden and there was one little sugar snap pea that had popped up and it was the it was the first fruit of the garden and it was glorious. It was like, there's this little sugar snap pea. It's so glorious. And what the scripture is telling us is that Christ is the first fruit. Christ went into the tomb. Uh, he was crucified, dead, buried in a borrowed tomb. The third day he rose again. And the scripture says that he was the first fruit of the resurrection. He was the first fruit, the glorious resurrection. So he went into the grave dishonored and he came out glorious and so that's what the promise is for us as we go into the grave in a dishonored you know go into the grave dishonored but we come out glorious as a spiritual body and in the scripture says that everyone's glorious body is different but you're different from the body that you go into the grave with and you're and you're different and glorious when you come out of the grave. And Christ is the, is the promise and the proof of that first fruit of the resurrection. So we can have total confidence in that. So, uh, so, so, so what? So what does that have, how does that help me today as a, as, um, as a woodland person here this morning? Uh, just three quick things. It should motivate us for <clears throat> evangelism, the resurrection, and Paul gave the Corinthians a snap out of it. Like, hey, you should be sharing this good news with people, and if you're not, it's to your shame. Like, you should be doing this. 
So evangelism, we should be motivated. Second, it gives us hope in the darkest times. Some of the saddest days that I've ever experienced have been funerals of little children. So sad. Those dark days um, require deep hope, deep hope. And we can have deep, deep hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So remember when you're experiencing those sad, sad days that there is living hope, Jesus Christ, our resurrected Savior. And then the last thing, the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ draws us closer to becoming more Christ-like. So the theological term would be sanctification. So again, I'm going to quote um, Tim Keller to finish because I'm just honoring Tim Keller as he passed away last week. Um, Tim Keller says, the difference between knowing Christ and knowing the power of his resurrection is the difference between knowing a person and resembling a person. It is not about relationship, but about supernatural character growth. When Paul says, I want to know him, it means I want to be with him. But when he says, I want to know the power of the resurrection, it means I want to be just like him. Look at the deadness. So then this is to you. Look at the deadness in your own life. Look at the anger. How is that going to be turned into forgiveness and grace? Look at the insecurity in your life. How is that going to be turned into confidence? Look at the self-centeredness. How is that going to be turned into compassion and generosity? How? The answer is that the dead stuff gets taken over by the Spirit of God. The minute you decide to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit comes into your life. It's the power of the resurrection, the same thing that raised Jesus from the dead. Are you feeling spiritually hungry? Jesus is the bread of life. Are you feeling spiritually thirsty? Jesus is the living water. Are you feeling lost? Jesus is the good shepherd, and he has the power to bring you to himself and bring you into more and more into his likeness. And it's the power of the resurrection that proves it and provides it and seals it for us. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this message from Woodland Presbyterian Church, maturing God's people to serve a hurting world. Again, if you'd like to learn more about our congregation, please visit us at woodlandpres.org. Thank you very much, and God bless you today.